Hello, a belated Happy New Year and welcome back to At The Source. This is the first episode of 2021 and I'm jumping straight in with an important and very pertinent topic. That topic is mental health in the hospitality industry. Eight out of 10 hospitality professionals report having experienced at least one mental health issue during their career. Now think about the pandemic and the effect it's had on those working in hospitality over the last year. You might remember back in November, I spoke with the general manager of a busy pub. He chose to stay anonymous so that he could talk openly about how it's been for him and his team during the last 10 months or so. And actually, since recording, he's walked away from the industry completely and is pursuing a new career in another area. I would urge you to give that episode a listen. My guest today is Chris Hall. Dorset-based founder of The Burnt Chef Project, a non-profit campaign and clothing brand operating within hospitality to challenge mental health stigma through online training, open conversations and sales of branded custom merchandise. The project is committed to burning away the stigma and shame associated with mental health for hospitality professionals worldwide. Welcome, Chris. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. It's great to be a part of this. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's the first episode of the year, but I think this is a really um, important topic. So um, I guess let's just get straight into it. So can you tell us a bit about your own background in hospitality and, and how that led you to launch the Burnt Chef Project? Yes, certainly. So the Burn Chef project I sort of stumbled across, um, if I'm honest. So my my background is whilst I worked in bars myself, I was a sales and marketing manager for a food wholesaler. Um, and I've, for, I've been actually a sales manager for quite a few now over the last 10 years. And so I'm, I've been working with chefs for an extended period of time. I've dealt with over, over 600 venues over the last 10 years. Um, and I fell in love with the industry. I, I truly would never want to leave hospitality. It's fantastic. Absolutely love it to bits. But during my time working with chefs, I noticed that, you know, it was that cliche, stereotypical chef that you would always used to get or you used to be fearful of getting, which was the angry, shouty, aggressive chef and, you know, who had a drink problem and who was always, you know, always uh, shouting at people and, and making them scared. For me, that was something that I was always I was always quite intrigued about and quite interested about, but I hadn't really thought too much about it. In my spare time, I was doing a lot of food photography, and um, I decided that after conversations with a mate of mine one day who was a head chef, to try and raise some awareness for mental health issues within hospitality because it was identified that the sign up and the take up rate with colleges was starting to suffer. We were finding less and less people coming into the industry and more and more people leaving. And, you know, to, to be a head chef at the age of 35 or 40 was, was good going. Um, but there wasn't, you know, the, the life expectancy in terms of a role within this industry wasn't likely to go on much further than that. So I started taking some black and white photos of, of chefs, of my friends, of people that I'd worked with, my clients, uh, just to try and raise awareness uh, for mental health and to try and raise a bit of awareness about the struggles that go on within hospitality. And it was during those photos that I started having people open up and talk to me about their own mental issues and their own struggles, whether that be as a result of working in the trade or or something completely different from childhood trauma. But it was almost a, a cathartic exercise for people to, to talk whilst I was hidden behind a, a camera. So fast forward, I mean, I started that in May 
of 2019, fast forward through to October, where I felt my own pressure put upon me to host an event to really bring out the conversation of, of mental health into the forefront, because it's not something that gets discussed about within hospitality. You know, there's a very big macho culture of just sort of manning up and getting on with it. So for me to pop my head above the parapet, so to speak, and hold a conversation and invite hospitality professionals to it was quite a risky maneuver. Um, but in October, I, I kind of got given some premises, uh, from James Fowler at Lada House and Terroir, and he lent me his restaurant, and I invited 40 hospitality professionals to come and listen to a talk by myself, Toby Anna from Kelly's Cause Foundation and Dorset Mind. Um, and lo and behold, on the night, those people started arriving, and they arrived, and they arrived, and arrived, and they didn't stop arriving to the point where <laughs> we struggled to fit everyone in. We actually ended up having close to 70 people turn up that evening. Wow. Yeah. It, That's incredible. It was mad. Uh, absolutely mad. You know, we had people stood outside listening into the conversation and um, it, was, it was an amazing moment. You know, I had people in there who were the stereotypical chef or the business owner who, you know, didn't really care much for mental health, but I'd sparked their interest. Yeah. And uh, they were they came up to me afterwards and shook my hand and said how insightful it was and how they thought they were suffering from signs of burnout or from high levels of stress and that they were going to pay more of a more attention to how they not only look after themselves but look after their staff and then people uh so that event finished and then people started asking me right what's next what what, what next are you going to do and i was like well that's it uh, that, uh, that, that's me done. I've done my good deed for the day. I've raised a bit of awareness and off we go. Um, but I'd set up a social media channel and I'd started having messages from chefs from uh, you know, Edinburgh, from Cornwall, uh, from certain parts of London and Liverpool and Newcastle, um, all asking for information on the project and saying how good it is that we exist. Um, uh, so that carried through until lockdown in March. And then I found myself furloughed from my from my current job, and from then on out, I just i I started to suffer a little bit with my own mental health. I I I, I am more susceptible to mental illness, I think, than perhaps other people are. We are, we all have our, our own tolerances, and for me, one of my ways out of it was to work. So I spent between sixty and eighty hours a week over the first lockdown, just plowing all of my energy into the Chef project to increase the communication channels, to increase the name, get the branding out there, you know, and, and let more people know that they're not alone. Mm, fantastic. So can you explain simply in your own words what it is that the Burnt Chef Project actually does? Certainly. So the Burnt Chef Project is a non-profit organization, which basically means it is, think of a charity, but we're able to sell products to raise money. And that money then gets funded towards uh, mental health training, management training, and also just increasing the conversation and building awareness of the subject of mental health and mental illness. So we sell, uh, we started off selling rubber wristbands. Uh, we sell crikey, so close to 100 different lines of merchandise now, anything from T-shirts, wristbands to chopping boards, knives. We've got our own coffee launching in two weeks time as well. You name it we sell it. And all of that money then gets reinvested back into training 
either third-party training services or training materials that we've built ourselves. That's fantastic. The merchandise that you're selling is is putting that money back into the the work that you do, but also that in itself is also a kind of way of branding and and spreading the awareness. You know, we both have worked in marketing previously, so that's actually quite a, a genius move. And a, and a way, I think, if someone's wearing that wristband or a t-shirt or an apron that that someone else in the kitchen could come up to them and say, oh, what's that? You know, what what does that mean? What's the Burnt Chef project? So I guess that really helps spread the word as well. You've hit, Alex, you've hit the nail on the head perfectly. That's That was the very reason. So the, the T-shirts, the initial original black T-shirts and the wristbands were just to do that. It was to create an organic reach. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, in fact, actually to take a further step back, so were the photos because within hospitality and, and might be stereotyping, but I think from certainly the people that I've met and my friends within the industry, chefs are quite ego ego characters. You know, they, they wear a lot of pride with their role and having a photo of themselves taken by a professional photographer that they can share with their network was a great way for me to again organically start increasing that conversation so everything from day dot has been about how do i maximize the impact of the conversation through various different methods mm-hmm. and then when it became sort of apparent that this was something that i needed to fund and i had bigger plans for the project it was about how we monetize that in order to release those profits to be able to provide some tangible benefits so it's the two go hand in hand quite well together now so from launching in May 2019, when there was already an issue with mental health in the hospitality industry, specifically with chefs facing burnout, and everybody knows the, the kind of crazy hours that, that they work, there was already a big project there for you. But I can imagine that with the onset of coronavirus, that that's kind of had a huge impact. Um, has it changed how you're working or is it more that it's changed, that the volume has increased? I mean, the the impact felt by COVID was certainly a curveball. You know, we originally set up, I say we, I originally set up to address many years of cultural and behavioral challenges that had lent to led to serious mental health issues. Um, and that was a long-term goal. And that wasn't something that we were going to be able to fix within a very short period of time. Then COVID hits and all of a sudden the mental health issues as a result of the long hours, the hot conditions, the, the poor cultures within certain restaurants and, and hospitality businesses was replaced by a more immediate issue of people at full stop, mm-hmm. not knowing what to do with their time. Uh, not knowing what to do with their own thoughts because they're always so busy and they're, you know, one mental health uh, or one major stressor had been replaced by another one. I'm sure you're, you're, you're probably with me and many people who are listening will agree that actually lockdown, as soon as lockdown came, it was a huge burden on everyone's mental health and increased anxieties just because you had a fin- financial pressure. You had a, you know, you were fighting an unknown enemy that you couldn't see. Your body naturally goes on to high alert in a fight or flight response, and so we were then had to pivot and were providing more immediate suggestions and help in terms of how people can get accustomed with being at home, how they can learn to become mindful of their environment and how they feel. Also, you know, providing them with meditation techniques and open forums where they can discuss things openly. Uh, So yeah, a very different challenge indeed. 
Do you find that a lot of the people that you help are coming to you as individuals or is it a case that more often it's an organisation or perhaps a, a manager who's noticed that there might be things within their team that they want to support them with? It's a real it's a real mix. We get a lot of information from from individuals who want to contact us and, and learn more about what's going on with their own state of mental health and what's going on within their business and how they can, you know, how they can help themselves within their current format. But we do also get perhaps not as much, but we do get interest from corporates and from business owners about how they can change their workplace policies and how they can change their cultures to improve the well-being of their staff. Mm-hmm. But I still think that there's a pretty strong stigma out there within hospitality when it comes to mental health whereby business owners perhaps are a little bit fearful of having us involved in their business because they worry that damage it might cause, which in fact is is not the case. And individuals perhaps are still feeling that stigma of mental health is is quite quite strong in themselves. You know, I've met people who who probably are suffering from mental illness, but just haven't found the courage yet to speak up against the years of stigma that we've had. Mm -hmm. That flows really nicely into um, a question that I wanted to ask from a recent episode on your own podcast, a slightly different tangent in that it refers to Brexit, but you were chatting with chef Adam Simmons about the effect that Brexit is having on the industry, specifically with a lot of European workers leaving the UK. So this ties in with what you were just talking about, but how do you think that we attract homegrown talent when there are stigmas attached um, especially in in kind of high intensity kitchens. Well, I think that employers need to educate themselves a little bit better on uh, mental health and workplace well being and culture changes. You know, we have a history within hospitality of always working at a very fast pace and you know being very reactive to situations. Not to mention the publicity that certain characters like Gordon Ramsay have had as a result of you know, berating and shouting at people and dressing them down within businesses. So I think that as an industry, we need to start celebrating the employers who are doing it the right way. You know, people like Sat Baines, who we interviewed fairly recently, you know, people like Luke Holder at Limewood Hotel in the New Forest, who have actively or proactively taking an approach to improve their staff's well-being, which in turn actually has a direct impact and a positive impact on the uh, efficiency and profitability of the business as well. So I think that that's, that's a key fact. And I think that you know we also need to take responsibility as individuals, certainly those that have been in hospitality for a longer period of time, to say, well, actually, perhaps the way that we are behaving or that we are treating people or the certain manager skill sets we have got aren't good enough at this current moment in time and what more can we do to improve those so that we don't lose the good talent when they do come into the industry and they're perhaps not what we would deem as as acceptable material you know i I dread to think how many talented individuals we've lost as a result of the fact that they've not necessarily been managed right within the right con uh, right culture. Something you mentioned there kind of rang a bell in my head and it's the idea of a, a happier team, a team that are open and talk about their feelings are maybe more productive and more profitable. And, and unfortunately, I feel like there are so many examples in the world and with things like um, the environment and buying organic food over um, kind of intensively reared chicken where until that thing that needs to happen will result in a profitable or a productive improvement for the company quite often there are a lot of people that just 
will just turn their heads that just will back look away and just let it let it happen and that's just really sad i think so we have as a business or i have as a business i've collated a lot of different information from retention and business turnover studies and one thing about the burn chef project is that we appeal to those that engage with us on an emotional level and those who want to join the spreading of the awareness and the you know the just generally promote the brand because it's something that matters to them personally but i think we also have to be acutely aware that we need to understand that not everyone understands what mental health and what the impact of mental illness is on the business and so perhaps we need to speak in different languages you know financial languages to those individuals who do own businesses and perhaps looking at the bottom line first and foremost now i'm not to say that that's the right way of thinking i do believe that you have to put your people first in order to have a successful business but you know, the world is full of diverse mixed people and to have a successful business, sometimes you can have one without uh, necessarily focusing on employee well-being. And it's for us to try and get that message over to them that actually if they were to look at improving the well-being of the staff, then actually they would have a much, much more profitable business, especially when you look at the costs of retention. You know, it, it costs about £5,000 per member of staff to get them hired, trained, integrated into a business. And if you're firing through those with a 100% turnover rate, then your business is just is hemorrhaging money. So it's about how we engage with different, different areas of the industry. Mm. And sometimes different messages work for different, different people. I totally get that. You, um, you mentioned on your website that in the early days, this kind of maximum stress equals maximum success. Um, and that kind of brings us back around to that idea of people like Marco Pierre White or um, Gordon Ramsay kind of swearing and shouting in the kitchen. And I think alongside that, there are stories of addiction um, through these long working hours, uh, which of course are probably ways into having mental health issues. Um, do you think that that kind of stereotype still actually exists? yeah I mean certainly not as much as it used to I mean even the last five years the stereotype has either left the industry or modified the behavior Um, but there are still certainly within perhaps some of the more refined businesses uh, there's still a great deal of potentially immoral behavior um, which ultimately has a has a a hugely detrimental impact not just on the business but you know the more importantly the individuals within that business as well i didn't know what your answer would be for that because i think about things like the me too movement for example really shone a light on uh, some kind of awful stuff that has happened in kitchens in the past but um it does sound then perhaps like there's still a way to go to break that stereotype and get people to open up would you say that you do get that type of stereotypical macho chef coming forward or does it tend to be other people within a kitchen environment that are looking to you for support it's difficult to say because i wouldn't necessarily know them that intimately to be able to make a call on that but i suspect that we have had inquiries and conversations with people who have previously been that I mean, I know for a fact we have. If you take the recent episode we did on on my podcast with Luke Holder, he is very open, and and I thank him for that, about his previous way that he used to manage situations and manage staff to the point where he 
you know, again, openly admits that he punched the pass out of anger so hard that he broke his hand, which was something that, you know, that we're not talking that long ago. And he is a great beacon. It's a great opportunity to change because he, he has demonstrated that actually by complete all systems change in terms of how he not just views his staff, but views himself has produced a such a radically different business as a result of that. You know, a business where he's retaining staff for so long that he actively has to find alternative workplaces for them so that they can continue to grow as individuals. That's fantastic. Um, And I think... You know, and I think that that's that's the stage we need to get to, and it is 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 going to be the people who can hold their hands up and go, do you know what? Yeah, you know, the way I've handled things in the past hasn't been correct, and I, we don't even need people to come out and say that. We just need them to be the beacons of change and actually learn the right way of managing people and learn that people are individuals and not numbers, and to make amends. They'll actually be helping themselves, but also the people around them. And that actually probably then comes back to, you know, attracting and keeping homegrown talent. It all flows in a lovely circle if you can if you can get it, get it right. So I'd like to talk to you a little bit more now about the Burnt Chef project itself. Um, so we can kind of get an idea of, of what it's like for you. Um, you know, this is um, a podcast full of food stories about people. And, and so can you tell me a bit more about your team? Is it is it yourself? Do you have people working on this with you? So I always use the terminology we because I think the Burn Chef project needs to demonstrate a certain size in order for it to be effective, or it certainly did in the early days. But I run the Burn Chef project predominantly alone. That's incredible. <laughs> it's 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 a yeah, it's more than a full time job. So everything that you see from the design of the website to the marketing to the branding to the podcasts to the fundraising everything is done by little old me sat in, sat in an office in the middle of somerset i'm lucky to have some great friends and certainly some i've met some great friends along the way of this journey who have helped so adam simmons who very early on became one of my ambassadors during the first lockdown has been not just a, a great uh, ambassador for the Burnt Chef Project, but also a good friend of mine. And he works with me on the colleges that we train uh, and we talk to. Um, and there's other people that I've met along the way, such as Tony Lewis, who's been a uh, who's a regular on the weekly check-ins that I've done, uh, and Wayne Barnard as well. Again, each bringing something slightly different, regular check-ins, whether it's just a check-in on myself or just touching base with an idea that they've had. Yeah, uh, the rest that you see is is me working tirelessly and for a lot of hours. I was going to say that definitely sounds like more than a more than a full-time job. Absolutely incredible that you're you're doing all of this from from what you thought was a photography project on the side of your of your job. Now it's it's your full-time career. It's it's an amazing story. Yeah, I still I still kick myself now. You know, it's I've sat down with business owners only when we were in between lockdowns, only for three four months ago, and tried to get large large corporates on board. And they were saying to me, you know, what what more are you going to do? Congratulations, you've raised awareness, but how are you going to address it? And at the time, I had no answers, and and now I'm sat here raising ten thousand pounds to launch a Burnt Chef crisis number, so that. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, anyone within the UK can text a number and get emotional, uh, mental support 
uh, for that moment in time. You know, we're about to launch, a, I say we again, force of habit, I'm about to launch an app at the end of this month with close to 15 training materials on there as well to do with mental health and well-being and resilience. And I'll be building and designing myself uh, management training programs to help individuals learn and better upskill themselves and on managing staff as well. So, you know, every time I think that I've hit a pinnacle, something else comes up and I'm just driven to do even more. So at some stage, I'm going to need a team, but uh, it's not financially viable at this moment in time, I'm afraid. And a holiday, I think. <laughs> Look after your own mental health and um, take a take <laughs> a break. I don't put it down. That's the thing, though. I, like, I, I worry that if I step away from it, it'll start to deflate like a balloon. So I'm, I'm constantly holding myself accountable for what I did yesterday and what I'm about to do today. So uh, I'm afraid uh, I'm afraid of it. Holidays, lockdown gives me a good excuse not to have a holiday for a while. This is one of those things that is just snowballing and growing. And, and you know, you're, I mean, I came, I became aware of you through social media and, and having spoken to a friend of mine who stayed anonymous on, on a podcast episode in November, he was a GM running a, a busy pub, I heard about the Burnt Chef project and it is growing. And I think that you will find very quickly that so many people are aware of this amazing thing that you're doing that uh, 2022, I think, will be the year that you get a nice holiday. Um, but before we get there, so roll forward five years and what does success look like for you and the Burnt Chef project? Oh, crikey, I don't know what one month from the next looks like at the moment, if I'm honest. Um, you know, the more that I progress within this role and the more that the Burnt Chef project progresses within hospitality, the more that I think that we potentially could be the leading voice for mental health and cultural changes within the hospitality industry. And that's not just within the UK, but certainly worldwide, we've had a great deal of interest uh, from places like South Africa, Canada, America, uh, even Japan and the Japanese embassy, the exec chefs there is wearing uh, Burnt Chef brand merchandise. Um, so I really do hope that in five years time, individuals can choose where to eat, not based on their ethical principles or their dietary requirements, but they can actually choose to eat a business that not offers just sustainable options in terms of their food or their suppliers, but also that offers sustainable long-term employment solutions for their staff and their staff are happy and healthy. So hopefully we can be the beacon of change for that. And, you know, we'll continue educating and working through the industry. 3.2 million people within the UK and the 72 million people worldwide and training one person at a time and making sure that mental health is something that can be freely discussed as much as it could be if you had a cold or you'd stubbed your toe, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I really like that idea um, of having a, it's almost um, a badge of honour. We are a sustainable employer. We take our, our employees' mental health seriously because, you know, there's so much emphasis based on eating locally, eating seasonally, eating high welfare meat, for example, that you might you might choose a restaurant based on the fact that they have an organic menu. But actually, if the team are under so much pressure that they're miserable, then that surely should be part of your decision making for supporting that business. And I really, I really like that idea. That's definitely something that would appeal to me, for sure. Well, I'm pleased, I'm pleased to hear that. I mean, for, for this to take, take effect, there are 
you know, the resources that I provide and the app that we're about to launch is all going to be very beneficial for individuals who want to learn how to better their cultures and their processes to get to that stage. I think in order for me to be able to enforce, enforce is not the correct word, but in order to be able to provide value is to be able to speak directly to those business owners and monitor those changes and help them fine tune their culture and their environment to get the best out of the staff whilst also retaining them and keeping them as happy as possibly can be. So there's, we're still a little way off yet, but with how quickly the project's moving, you know, I, I should suspect, but by the end of the, the end of well, 2021 this year, we should be well on our way to, uh, to launching something of that nature. I can kind of imagine that during the coronavirus, it's more about individuals and and their stresses and anxieties of of yes, having work working in high pressure environments, but also the the unnerving um, situation that hospitality has found itself in this year. In this year, especially given the kind of are we open? Are we not open? This tier, that tier. But I can imagine that if and when touch would we return to a kind of business as usual that that's when the the businesses and the the team managers will start to want to look into how they can improve things for their for their for their individuals yeah i mean you i think we've got to be very mindful that at the moment hospitality is fighting very hard for survival and you know as an industry we we'll, we will be resilient we will bounce back and the industry will be a stronger industry off the other side of it, but unfortunately it will have its casualties and we need to, I think, bide our time in terms of this conversation and allow people the time to be able to get their business orders, businesses up and running effectively and to, to know what the new landscape is likely to look like. But I think it is also a good opportunity for those that have the capacity at the moment and aren't too overwhelmed by situations to start looking at how their business can be more profitable, how it can operate in a, a new way rather than following ways that have been done time and time again. And perhaps then when we do get up and running, we're in a good position to be able to say, let's start with a clean slate. Let's introduce new policies. Let's make sure that our staff are happy, well-fed, well-looked after, have a right level of family, family work-life balance. And we'll see how it goes. You know, there's no harm in trying it. And I think that hopefully people take heed to that the work-life balance especially is really important so a few years ago now i was the marketing manager for a group of bars and restaurants um in the midlands which is sadly is a casualty and is is no more that's been broken up and sold but the one thing that the the management were really good on was making sure that everyone from the front of house bar staff through to the kitchens had um two days off a week and it wasn't you know it wasn't going to be Friday night and Saturday night, of course, but they were really good for that. And as a result, they were the kind of the company that everybody wanted to work for and um, and did have really good retention rates. But unfortunately, you know, as with a lot of independent businesses, they've they've not survived. Um, and those those people have now scattered and are working, working all over the place in all sorts of different companies from big chains through to other indies. But yeah, I think that the life work balance is, is the key there because, you know, it's very easy for me to talk about this because I work office hours, but... I think I've had a little bit of an insight in the fact that 
as a marketing manager for a group of pubs, it's quite likely that you're going to get um, an email about a cocktail menu at 4am from a general manager as you are on a, you know, Tuesday afternoon. So yeah, that work-life balance is really key, I think. It is. And it's something that, you know, the white collar industry, such as office working, does tend to take for granted. And because the service industry is always so behind the scenes, it's never really ever been shown really how much work and effort and sacrifice and commitments required to work within hospitality. You know, it's such a diverse and beautiful industry full of so many creative uh, people, such a mixed bunch. And it's an industry that I would genuinely like more and more people to come into because it's fantastic. But I do think that we perhaps need to look to other industries and say, how can we be better? How can we bring ourselves up into the 21st century and actually start looking at other ways of doing things in order to be able to provide people with their basic right to have a life? Absolutely. Totally agree with that. So for those who work in hospitality and are feeling strong and are feeling confident and happy and stable and want to get involved with the Burnt Chef projects, what what can they do? There's countless things that can be done. I mean, we firstly would benefit from spreading the name because whilst our social media presence is growing daily, it's not the be all and end all of communication. And I think it's important for us to recognize that the more conversations are started out there about the Burnt Chef project, the more potential that we have to help individuals and not just the work within kitchens or work within front of house. You know, you can work anywhere within the supply chain, including wholesalers, producers, you know, mental health isn't something that just affects hospitality. It affects the entire entire world every single individual on this planet has mental health Mm. so by spreading the word uh, without sounding too much of a salesperson purchasing the merchandise does help us because as i say it arranges for us not to only continue spreading the words but it also allows us to use those profits then to reinvest back into serving the community and providing a better workplace for them in addition, we have just launched a Get Active Lockdown Challenge, uh, which I'm not sure when this airs, but that will start on the 18th and it will go on for two two to potentially four weeks and where we're looking at traveling virtually via a virtual map all the way from Sky uh, for the Lock Bay Michelin restaurant all the way down to Paul Ainsworth's number six restaurant in Padstay covering the best part of 3,000 kilometers. And that was designed predominantly to get people up and moving during lockdown, especially during these colder winter months, but also at the same time to raise money for a Burn Chef crisis line that we're about to launch to aid those who might be struggling. Um, so that's you know a great way, uh, not just of helping us, but also helping yourself. As I say, just... Just continue to spread the word. The more employers that know about us, the more potential interest that we have there to be able to help employers, the more money we can generate, the more businesses we can help help and improve, and ultimately the more lives that we can help as well. So without going into too much more detail, I think those are probably the key areas at this moment in time. 
Brilliant. And I'll obviously share all of that on the show notes for this podcast as well and on social media. That would be fantastic. As I say, the more people that can get involved, because at the moment we're covering 3,000 kilometers with 40 of us, and 40 is a great number. It's fantastic. But uh, the more people that there are, the less the less miles we'll all have to do uh, individually to be able to, to cover that. So, um, you know, get get up and moving. You track your miles, let people know that you're doing it, get donations from friends and families as well on the Burnt Chef website. And most importantly, get out in the outside world, get get exercising, get moving and see what impact that has on your day. And of course, exercise is such a good thing for, for mental health. I find that um, with working from home that I will suddenly realise that I've not left the house for two or three days apart from going into the garden and my partner and I will just go on a massive walk. And it just makes you feel so much better. Clears your head, gives you time to think, gets you away from the telly. Massively so, massively so. Like you sitting at home in completely sedentary and just watching the world go by for an entire day. The days seem like they last forever. You feel cold. You've always got the heating on because your body's not warm. You're eating crap food you know you're always eating chocolate or you know you're finding these comfort foods to keep the boredom at bay and to make yourself feel better whereas if you just go out for a a half an hour stroll even if it's peeing it down with rain or if you go for an hour walk or an hour and a half walk or whatever it might be a, a ride a run your serotonin levels are boosted you get fresh air in your lungs you feel warmer when you get back in again albeit if you're wet or or not and all of a sudden, your day just changes. It flips on its head, and you know to build that as part of a healthy, healthy mental hygiene and physical hygiene routine is it cannot be underestimated. Yeah, making me want to go for a walk now. <laughs> <laughs> so, for those who are listening, who might feel that they would benefit from the services that um, the Burnt Chef Project offers. Uh, perhaps a little bit nervous i don't know what would you recommend i think first thing is is if you are on social media go over to our facebook page go over to our instagram page and have a look at the posts first and foremost there's a lot of helpful information on there uh you can scroll all the way back through to our very beginning and there's information on there about writing your own personal mise-en-place list to be able to take a little bit of control over your day and provide yourself with some ease, easy challenges um, and give yourself a sense of achievement. There's all sorts of quotes and shared experiences on there as well, which might be quite useful. Um, if you want to engage with us, you're more than welcome to. You can send us a direct message or, or even email me directly. But as it is me, uh, I do, it may take a day or two to get back to you. But, you know, there's also a section in the meantime on the website, which is called free resources, and you can load those up. There's an employee checking guide, which you can use personally to rate yourself on where you are feeling and gives you tips on how to improve your week and how to improve how you feel. There's, there's so, there's so much that would be beneficial, even if you don't feel comfortable about speaking like about your own mental health at this moment in time, just head over to the website, head over to our social media channels and just have a browse and see that actually you're not alone. And, you know, there are so many other people out there who are willing to engage in this sort of conversation. Um, yeah, I think that's, I I can't, honestly, I can't stress it enough. The amount of people that that message me with their own stories and you only have to take a look at our ambassador Mm -hmm. section now 
to see all of our ambassadors and their personal stories as well. And it makes you realize that actually the mental health epidemic is much larger than, than anyone thinks. Uh, and you're certainly, yeah, you're certainly not suffering with it alone. That's really important is that you're not suffering from it alone and you don't have to suffer alone. And, you know, sometimes the hardest step is, is the first one, which is speaking out and, there are so many things out there available to people. And I think that the the work that you're doing with the Burnt Chef Project and the, the resources that are available on your website are fantastic. And for people specifically within the hospitality sector, this is this couldn't come at a better time, I don't think. Thank you. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. This has been absolutely fascinating. And, you know, I I, I know that you're, as of anyone who, who does great things, don't want to kind of take all the praise, but I think that it's absolutely fantastic. And, and I'm sure that the listeners will both be inspired, but also potentially find this very useful. So yeah, just a, a huge thank you, really. No, not a problem. Thanks for having me on. You know, opportunities to be able to uh, talk about this open and hopefully just reach out to a few additional people who might be interested in this particular subject matter are invaluable so um, I appreciate your time thank you